Hello there and a very warm welcome to the latest edition of the Sports Huddle, your weekly review of the world of sport brought to you by the Leeds Hospital Radio Sports Team. I'm Tony Chalk and I'm joined this evening by the multi-talented trio of Jim Walker, Ian Marsden and Bill Dale. As ever, we'll be looking at the varied fortunes of our local football clubs and we'll also review the state of play in the test series between India and England and the Six Nations Championship. Add to that Rugby League Super League and our sporting moments of the week, and we should have plenty to keep you entertained for the next 40 minutes, or however long it takes. So we'll start off with football, and the fortunes of our two local sides in the Championship, Leeds United and Huddersfield Town, will merge this weekend when they meet on Saturday. But before we look ahead to that, let's reflect on the events of the last week. And we'll start off, in fact, by talking about the FA Cup. Um, which is something we haven't really mentioned too much on the, the programme so far because of the importance of all the league action. But I, I guess, Bill, um, Leeds went out of the FA Cup at Chelsea. Uh, we're recording on Thursday night, so it was last night, Wednesday. Um, I only saw about the last 20, 25 minutes of it because I had something else on. Um, but it seemed to me that they gave a very good account of themselves. Absolutely. Um, I, I didn't, like you, um, see the entire game. I, I, I saw uh, um, a pretty good chunk, uh, including uh, the, the, the equaliser, uh, and I've since watched some extended highlights. Um, and it was quite clear that it was a pretty even Stephen game. Uh, I worked with a Chelsea fan, uh, and he uh, acknowledged certain respect uh, this morning, um, despite uh, ever so slightly gloating at the, uh, the end result. But I thought Leeds gave a very good show of themselves. And, and what you worried about, of course, they're on this fantastic league run, which we'll talk about later. But you don't want to go into a, an FA Cup um, uh, fixture against a really top team, a team that we hope to play in the league next year, and come away 5-0. And, and they were in there. They could have won it. It could have gone to, to extra time, which actually would have been a complete disaster. Um, I looked at the fixture beforehand and, uh, and the team that he picked which tells you a bit about um, Farker's attitude because he left out uh, Somerville, Monto and Ruta um, and put in uh, Matteo Joseph. And I thought, well, I'll settle for losing 4-2 there with um, Joseph getting a hat-trick. And it wasn't far from that, was it? The 3-2 and Joseph got a, a, his first and second goals, one in each half. And uh, um, for a 20-year-old, I thought he did very, very well. Yeah, and that's, uh, I guess, Leeds' first decent run in the FA Cup for what seems quite a, a long time, actually. And uh, they get a good, good account of themselves. The irony is, of course, had they got through, they'd have been playing Leicester. And that uh, brings us to the matter of the match last uh, Friday night. Um, now, before I go to Jim on this one, uh, Ian, um, you probably watched it uh, as well as I did. Uh, and uh, it was a very enjoyable game. Um, but to me, I came out of it thinking, if you're not born good, make sure you're born lucky, because Leeds were, in my view, fortunate to come away with three points, especially a 3-1 scoreline. I, <laughs> I think every Leeds fan could look at that and, in the cold light of day, actually say the exact same thing. Um, Leicester should have, and probably, well, they should have been 3-4-0 um, within that first 80 minutes, but I did see something that as soon as that first goal went in for Leeds, that Leicester players, their body language just seemed different. So the last 10 minutes um, for Leeds were fantastic. 
Football is a 90-minute game, though, and um, Leicester should definitely have been out of sight um, before Leeds even had the chance to come back. Um, but for the neutral, uh, me, um, I uh, yeah, it was a really good game of football. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was good. Jim, um, I, I won't say anything other than Jim. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, um, I, I lost count of the number of times... I was on the commentary. Uh, I lost count of the number of times I said after Leicester had missed yet another chance. Um, you can't help but think that Leeds are going to score. Um, and that's in effect what, what happened. Um, the press conferences, ap- conferences afterwards were interesting because, um, Mresca, Enzo Mresca came up first and he said, um, I feel bad that we've lost. But I thought we played very well. Um, and I spoke to Radio Leicester commentator afterwards and he said it was one of the best performances of the season as far as mm. he was concerned. Mm. Um, and then Daniel Farker came in and said, um, well, I didn't think we should have been behind at half time. Um, I thought they had a spell for about a quarter of an hour in the second half, but I thought we deserved to win. Um, and I thought, mm, OK, um, well, the scoreboard will say that you won, and that's fair enough. But um, um, what I would say to um, in support of Farker, though, is that in that first half, uh, Leeds could have been two, possibly three-one to the good, simply mm-hmm. because uh, I thought Peru missed um, one excellent chance. One reasonable chance and Nonto, well, it's a two footy game and he didn't want to shoot with his right foot. So, um, and that may or may not have gone in. So if you've been one all at half time, I'd have settled for that. I thought the second half, we just dominated the game totally. And, um, and I, I didn't think anybody really gave any credit to Melier because Melier made two saves. There was one where. Um, um, Mavadidi cut in from the left hand side and hit it with his right foot. Um, and he, um, got a, got a hand to that. Uh, and there was another one when, um, I forget who it was, Dakar did, had a good effort and he, he pushed that one away as well. Um, and then of course there was the offside goal that wasn't offside. Um, and when you put all that lot together, you realize it really wasn't going to be Leicester's night. Um, um, but they played well, um, and they played very well on Tuesday. It's at, um, uh, um, uh, where were they? Um, I've lost track of where they were. Bournemouth. Yeah, Bournemouth. Yeah, they played very well at Brighton. Mm. Um, at Bournemouth. Uh, Bournemouth, yes. Um, and I watched the whole of the Leeds game. Uh, I thought Leeds played pretty well. The difference was, though, that Leicester played without Hermanson, without Fass, um, without Dewsbury Hall, without Winks, and without Dakar, and Vardy was injured anyway, whereas Leeds had to play nine in the end of the 11 that started against Leicester. And people like and, um, uh, Archie Gray uh, and Ampadu, who were, got shifted into midfield, um, they covered a tremendous amount of territory. And I didn't, didn't dispute Archie Gray being man of the match. I thought he played very, very well. Um, and so, uh, 
so I worry a bit for Leeds over the next week or so. Um, and I worry a bit for Leeds on Saturday in a way. Not, I don't think they'll lose, but I think if Huddersfield were to get a, get a foothold a bit early, um, uh, and really force Leeds to have to go for it, um, I don't quite know whether they've got the energy or will have the energy left to do that. I think, I think what it's exposed more than anything is that Leicester have a squad where they could change nine of the team that played against Leeds and still match Bournemouth and actually better Bournemouth for most of the game. Um, whereas Leeds had to play quite a lot of their team against Chelsea. Um, and sadly just came up a bit, um, a bit short. Um, but as Ian said, I mean, the game on Friday was absolute cracker for the, for the neutral. And I don't think I've ever been in a, a football ground for many a year where the noise was so loud. I mean, you re- literally could hardly hear yourself speak on commentary. And that was through the headphones. Um, and it, um, um, it was just a great game and uh, credit to the referee apart from the offside goal where he made a complete hash of that. Um, I thought he had a good game. Um, and, um, the game was played in good spirit. Both teams went for it. There were no really malicious fouls as such. Um, and I thought it was just a credit to two decent teams who really ought to be in the, uh, in the premiership next season. Um, just one little postscript, which is relevant. Um, and that is that because Leicester won against Bournemouth, that means their game against Southampton will be cancelled. Now, I don't know when that will be rearranged, but it was scheduled for the Friday night of when the semi, when the quarterfinals were being played over the weekend. Um, so that's one to watch because, um, they'll both have to fit that in. So it could put a bit of distance between Leeds and Southampton that weekend, um, simply because um, Southampton won't be playing unless they've got something else to rearrange. Um, so well played Leeds, a cracking match uh, on another day. Result might have been different and a real shame about the cup. Real shame that we're not playing again in the cup. That would have been terrific. Yes, I guess it would, wouldn't it? It uh, would have been very interesting. And Leicester, I'm sure, would have been very much up for that, having had the double done over by Leeds. Yeah, I thought I thought it was a, a, a really entertaining game. I actually said at one point in the second half that I thought Leeds either had to have a moment of individual brilliance or a huge stroke of luck. Uh, and uh, I suppose it turned out to be the latter, and it and it, uh, it got them through. I agree about the referee. Actually, I thought, yeah, he did seem to handle. He didn't notice him very much. I think on the offside goal, um, uh, from the pictures we saw, I think the, the I think it was the 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 linesman or the assistant referee who gave it, and I think he must have thought that it rebounded off. Was it Chowdhury? I think was was in there. Yeah. Uh, rather than than off, um, was it Rutter? I think it came off, didn't it? Um, so I'm, I'm guessing that was it. And obviously that would have been picked up on VAR if, if they'd had it. But uh, it worked in Leeds' favour on this occasion. Now, interesting comments there, Jim, about the match on on Saturday, um, because I think that that, that Leeds uh, I said at the beginning of last week I thought it could be a season-defining week for them because they had the big game against Leicester, then the cup tie, and then this match at Huddersfield. Uh, who are going to be very much up for a local derby. They took a, a bit of a clobbering at Elland Road earlier in the season. But Mr Brighton Writer has gone off to a good start with a 2-1 win uh, at Watford last week, um, which has certainly boosted their fortunes, although not as much as they 
might have wanted because it seems everybody around them is winning at the moment. Sheffield Wednesday and uh, QPR and teams like that. So, Bill, um, this is this isn't going to be easy on Saturday for Leeds, I suspect. I don't think there's any easy games, um, but I can't see anything other than the Leeds win. Um, the, the, the nine wins on the bounce. I've seen Huddersfield a few times this year. Yeah, they're a good, honest. Um, work a day team, but um, I think Leeds have got so much up front that I really can't see anything other than uh, uh, three points heading back to Ellen Road. Um, they've won nine on the trot. Um, the fixture list looks reasonably, reasonably kind of a glance at the table. They've Huddersfield, then Stoke, and then Sheffield Wednesday, and then Millwall, and then Watford. Um, the only slightly worrying thing is that some of these teams down there are, are get, getting going now. Um, and, and, and Huddersfield, um, whilst they've had a, a very nice little run, uh, they seem to alternate between a win and a loss over the last five games. But they've got nine points out of the last 15, um, which is reasonable for QPR, 10 out of 15. Sheffield Wednesday, 9 out of 15. So they're all keeping up. There's no pulling away from that uh, that bottom end, um, that's the sort of form that will get you to the fringe of the uh, uh, the playoffs if you maintained it through uh, through the season. So the, they're in a very tight group there. Everybody's played 34 games all the way through the uh, the league. Huddersfield are there in, uh, in 19th on 37, breathing down the neck. One point behind them in 20th, Millwall. Uh, 21st, Queen's Park Rangers, 35, Stoke City in the relegation spots, 35. You've got two points there, um, covering four teams, and the whole thing could shuffle around on the uh, on the day, depending which way the results go. But I think this one will go Leeds United's way. Confidence there um, from, from, from Bill, a true Leeds United supporter for very many years. Uh, what about the view of a more neutral person, Ian? Uh, do, you, do, you, do you think Leeds will, will, will win this one? I mean, on paper, actually, just looking at their fixtures a few days ago, that they've got a, a decent run in because I think their toughest away game is Coventry, um, uh, who are somewhere on the fringes of the, 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 the um, playoffs, I think. Um, but they've got they've got to go to Huddersfield, obviously. They've got to go to Sheffield Wednesday next week. They've got to go to QPR, who are down there as well. So on paper, it doesn't look too difficult, but these can be these can be awkward fixtures, and especially when it's a local derby. Yes, exactly, and that's that's the key, isn't it? It's a local derby at Huddersfield. It's a local derby at Sheffield Wednesday, and so those um, sets of fans have a um, mutual. Um, let's say loathing of Leeds United, <laughs> um, and so, the, it's always a big game when Leeds are in town, especially at Huddersfield and Sheffield Wednesday. So, and Leeds have have come a cropper at those two grounds um, many times previously. Um, I remember mm. a six was it six nil um, to Wednesday a few years ago, um, but yeah, this Leeds team seem a different kettle of fish <laughs> right now, and I think. Um, Huddersfield will always be a tough game because of the localness of it, but I think Leeds will have just a bit too much for them, and um, I think Leeds will win. I don't think it will be like a like four nil, which it was at Ellen Road, but I think Leeds will win the game. Whether it will just be like one goal, um, so but Huddersfield got the new manager bounced, didn't they, on Saturday against Watford. Mm -hmm. So they'll, as I say, they'll be up for it big time. And, um, you know, if they get a goal, if they go 1-0 up, 
then they'll have something to cling on to. Um, but I just think Leeds are are good enough to actually break that down and um, and get the three points. So as a neutral, I think Leeds will win, but I don't think it will be um, a 4-0 thrashing as it was at Ellen Road. No, no. And, and going ahead from that, so we might as well, uh, since this is before uh, we, we do the programme again, uh, they play Stoke on Tuesday, uh, Jim. Uh, that's the sort of game that, that, that Leeds should certainly be looking to uh, to cash in on. Although, of course, they did go, they came a cropper at Stoke earlier in the season. Yeah, I mean, absolutely right. I mean, I mean, Bill summed it up perfectly. I mean, Stoke a while back were well out, well, well clear, and now all of a sudden they're they're back in it. If Stoke win on Saturday and everybody else wins apart from Huddersfield, Huddersfield are in the bottom three. Um, so it's getting very, uh, very tight. And um, uh, again, as Bill said, these teams are starting to win games. I always think that with about twelve games to go. You see the sides that have got a bit of momentum. Um, and if you if you get four or five wins out of the last 12, it don't carry up the table. I mean, Leicester are playing Queen's Park Rangers. I mean, that's not going to be um, a, a give me sort of game uh, of any uh, uh, of any type. And Birmingham playing Southampton. I mean, that, you know, Birmingham could well win that. Southampton are a bit flaky at the minute. Birmingham are a bit flaky as well, but they've got Tony Mowbray and somehow Tony Mowbray can always conjure up uh, a way of uh, turning sides, uh, turning sides around. So, um, sick leave, Jim. Sorry? I think he's on sick leave, is Tony Mowbray. Oh, he is at the moment. Yeah, he's, he's six, oh, six weeks. That. He's on six weeks. Eight weeks. Apparently. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed that. Thank you for telling me that. Oh, well, in that case, then that. That will seriously dent. Uh, I hope he's all right, Tony Mowbray. I'm a great fan of Tony Mowbray's, but he got a very raw deal at Sunderland, and they've gone nowhere since he left. Mm. Um, uh, well, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, well, that alters things slightly then, but not in Leeds's favour because that probably gives Southampton a bit of an edge. Um, but it certainly brings Birmingham right into the relegation uh, run-up if that's going to be the case. If he's going to be away for six weeks, um, they they've really got to get uh, get a grip. So. Um, I think it's uh, turning into quite an exciting, uh, an exciting league now. I mean, uh, Middlesbrough only, I've only got 44 points, so it's amazing how two or three wins can totally alter everything. And uh, um, and if you're not drawing, that's 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 the key as well. And and Leeds haven't had a don't, last time Leeds had a draw was Bill you probably know this but uh, um, well they, they, it was ten games ago because they won nine on the bounce yeah and the previous one was a draw was it they lost or drew the one prize that I can't right, right. it was probably the uh, the loss at Preston on on Boxing Day was it perhaps oh no at West Brom West Brom at the end West of the Brom. year mm-hmm. yes that that was a, a loss but yeah I can't remember the last draw they drew in the cup against uh, Plymouth of course didn't they but was it Coventry I think they drew with Coventry sometime. Not long before Christmas. Uh, yeah, but, but they've, they've gone nine straight. Um, yeah. yeah. Bounce, which, uh, um, I mean, the bizarre thing is there's going to be four teams at the top who are going to be on points totals that would normally get you automatic promotion. Um, yeah. Mm. And uh, assuming that Ipswich and Southampton keep uh, keep going. And mm. uh, one assumes that one of those two or whoever they happen to be, um, could be Leeds or Leicester for that matter, um, will we'll, we'll 
get to the uh, uh, the playoff final. But there's, there's going to be one really good team that's going to be left behind this year. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I mean, it, it, it's easy to ignore Ipswich because I thought Ipswich would just sort of not exactly fade away, but they they drift down. But in effect, they've uh, they've really run. I mean, last four four games, four wins, uh, and they're on level points with Leeds, um, and and both of them only six behind Leicester, uh, having played equal games. So this is. Uh, this is by no means uh, a give me even for uh, for Leicester. I mean, it's all very all looking good, but uh, you've got to uh, you've got to get the ball in the goal and you've got to beat the opposition. And, and Leicester uh, play Queens Park Rangers uh, on Saturday, and then they go away to Sunderland. Um, so I'm not sure who's, who's managing Sunderland now. I've lost track. They've had so many. I think it's the, 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 the assistant didn't they? They finally decided to give give the assistant the job till the end of the season. I don't. I don't know what sort of message that was sending. Well, it was, we haven't got any money, but um, I thought I was ridiculous. I mean, they hired this chap Beale and then immediately got rid of him. It seemed, seemed bizarre to me, and they've gone down the table since. So three straight losses, Sunderland. So uh, let's hope they keep uh, going. And, and Southampton, of course, go to Preston uh, on uh, Preston. Sorry, go to Southampton on Wednesday. Now Preston have a habit of turning teams over, so. Could be that Southampton, already five behind, could end up a few more behind by by next weekend. But fascinating stuff. Fascinating. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. I still think Leicester will be okay. Um, Leeds hopefully will. Ipswich have had a dodgy patch and seem to have come through it. Southampton go through a dodgy patch at the moment. Because the question is, will, will Leeds have a dodgy patch or have they had that already um, early season and then sort of around Christmas? No doubt we'll, we will monitor that very closely over the next few weeks. Let's turn to uh, to, to, to League Two anyhow and uh, talk. We'll talk about Bradford City first of all, um, Ian. Uh, not much to say about what happened to them last week, I suppose, because their match at Barrow was called off, wasn't it? Um, it was and then, an hour, uh, an hour before. Yeah, that, that seems yeah. bizarre. I think did they apologise to the supporters in the end? For, for I uh, think they did, but I mean, calling it off an hour before because the pitch was totally unplayable. Then surely it was totally unplayable um, a couple of hours beforehand as well. Um, but um, yeah, Barrow, um, a non-league club in the league. Let's let's leave that there. Um, but um, <laughs> yeah, they uh, they, um, they. I think the fans deserve better. An hour before kickoff, it's not even an easy trip, is it, to Barrow from Bradford? No. It's, it's, you know, it's Barrow not. is somewhere. In the middle of nowhere, um, and it's um, yeah. I thought that was really poor, really, really poor. But looking ahead to to Saturday, well, um, you've got a vested interest in this one, of course, because they're uh, they're at home to uh, to your team, Notts County, on, on Saturday, uh, uh, and, and I suppose both teams are in that scrap between any number of teams for the playoffs. Yes, um, although I think. We are two places above Bradford City at the moment. We, Notts County, sorry. Um, but um, we are on a run of one win in the last five. Um, and we lost at home to the worst team in the league, Sutton United, on uh, in midweek. And have actually conceded nine goals to them in two games against them this season after losing 5-1 on the opening day. So um, I'm not confident. Um I would take a point right here, right now. Um, Bradford are very much the similar 
kind of form at the moment as as knots are. Um, I think at the moment managerial changes and the squad size and 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 not having the players that they need to. I think we'll put this season down to experience and then go again next year. But um, obviously my um, my head is saying we're going to win six nil. Um, my heart says we're going to win eight nil. So you know. <laughs> right. Fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was going to ask Jim uh, uh, about the fortunes of Harrogate Town, but he seems to have temporarily disappeared off my screen, so we may have a communication issue there. So, so I'll yeah. stay with you, Ian, um, because Harrogate Town, we've been praising them greatly over the uh, the last few weeks, but they seem to have hit a stumble at the moment because. Um, having got into a decent position, then getting a hammering at Mansfield, they came back and got a very good point at Crewe, followed it up with two home losses. That's nine defeats at home this season. Yeah. Uh, it's, I'm, I'm confused. Yeah. Um, I think it kind of also sums up League Two um, in the fact that basically anyone can be anybody. Um, and it's just those that are more consistent than the others will win promotion. Um, hence, Mansfield being top, having lost only four games all season so far. Um, they have drawn a lot, but they're, they're top of the league. Um, Harrogate, they were in seventh. They were in the playoffs. Um, but then losing 4-1 at home to... Um, it was Newport, wasn't it, at the weekend? Newport, and, yeah, um, yeah. Walsall yeah, 2 nil, and then Newport 4-1. Then Newport. In, so, yeah, they've not done... Um, since they reached that mark, it's almost as if they've had a nosebleed and um, they, um, they they forgot what they were doing and felt they had to change things or something. But, yeah, not good for Harrogate. But um, I think I can safely say that they are safe um, this season and um, it has been probably their best season since they got promoted to the Football League in uh, 2020. So I think they can be rightfully proud of themselves for what they've achieved this season. Um, it just seems a pity that they're going through their bad patch when others are going through their good one. And so went from 7th to, um, I think they're 12th now. 12th, yeah, I think they are 12th. Yeah, yeah, that's 12th, right. yeah. yeah. What chance, Bill, do you think of, of, of one of those two getting into the playoffs come the end of the season? I mean, it's, it's a bit of a lottery well, at the moment in League it, 2. But... It is a bit of a lottery, but I'm looking at the table and Walsall were there in 7th, having played 34 on 51 points. And then you go all the way down to Bradford City, 16, 16, nine places down the table on 46. They've got a game in hand. They win that, and they won the last three. They're on 49. They're just two points outside the playoffs. Um, and Bradford are uh, behind Huddersfield in 12th. So it's all about form, but it is such an open table. Um, you know, top end is, is, is a bit different. You have a couple of uh, two or three teams, um, or four teams all in the 60s there, but uh, anybody um, on 47, between 47 and 51 must be thinking, if we can just string, you know, three or four wins together, um, let alone a, a better run than that, and you, you're going to be in the mix. Um, it's uh, And it's all about coming good at the right time of the season. I think if anybody can string that run together um, as, as, as we approach May, then we'll go into it with a bit of confidence, because how many times have we seen teams in the playoffs that finish in sixth, or in League Two's case, seventh place, 
um, nicking it and, uh, and stealing it from somebody who looked like a dead cert to go open. You, you, you think about, you know, Leeds and Southampton and, uh, uh, and Ipswich and you just wonder whether something like that might happen back in the championship. It's, uh, it's what keeps people interested. It's going to be, um, it is going to be a tough run in for everybody. Wrexham, who are, you know, well, one of everybody's favourites to go up, um, have lost, um, a couple recently and aren't doing as great. I mean, they only literally managed to beat Sutton, um, with a last minute goal and then they, um, got a last minute penalty against Forest Green. Um, and they're the bottom two teams in the league. So it just shows you that, as I say, anybody on their day can beat anybody. And, um, it is such, a tough league to call. Um, but I will say here now that I think Mansfield and Stockport will go up. I think then the third place is open. And like Bill said there, the playoffs, um, it will be an absolute lottery as to who gets in them and then whoever wins them. It, it, it is open to everybody at the moment. Indeed. So, uh, well, I'm delighted that Jim seems to be back with us now, although on the screen in front of me, it says James Guest Unverified, but I'm pretty sure it is Jim. <laughs> so, uh, we, were just, we were just talking about uh, Harrogate Town, uh, Jim, and, and, and the fact that they seem to have hit a bit of a, a slide at the moment, a good good point at Crewe after the hammering at Mansfield, and then two more uh, home defeats in, in the last week to add to the seven earlier in the season. Yes, uh, I think that's fair comment. I mean, Walsall are on a charge. I mean, there's no doubt about, uh, about that. They, I think they'd seen off Mansfield in the previous game and they've, they've now won four, four on the bounce and draw before that. So Walsall have absolutely reared up the table. Um, uh, Harrogate go away to Swindon on Saturday. Um, I think that will be a good, a good test of confidence for them. I think as ever, the problem that they've got, and I think everybody recognises, is they just don't score enough goals, um, arrogant, particularly at home. I mean, they've only scored 41 goals. Um, and you look at everybody in, in the league. Um, and I think that must be, I'm just looking down the league. I mean, even Swindon in 17th has scored 60. Um, Tranmere 53. So, um, it's almost, in the bottom three in terms of uh, uh, of goals scored. In fact, it is in, in fact it is in the bottom three in terms of terms of goals scored. And uh, uh, yeah, that's absolutely right. It's only one goal more than Sutton in their bottom. So that's the problem. Um, and um, uh, and away from home, I think they have more of an opportunity to play on the break um, and to to do that. Um, next three games for Harrogate will be defining. Because they go, they go home to Crawley and then away to Wrexham and then away to Barrow. Um, and if they can recoup, recoup some, and then home to Bradford, of course. Uh, mm. And if they can recoup some sort of form <clears throat> in those games, then who knows? But, um, um, I don't think they've got to make the playoffs, but thankfully with 48 points <coughs> and the uh, bottom but one team having 27, uh, they should have enough not to uh, worry about the other end of the table, um, which um, is always an achievement for Harrogate, to be honest, with the crowds that they have um, to uh, to come through a season. It's been a good year. The defence has played played well. 
Yeah, indeed. Uh, I think Swindon and other of these grounds that they've they've not had great success at over the no, years. No, yeah. So, uh, but yeah. they've broken one or two uh, of those uh, of those got one or two of those monkeys off their backs this season. So let's hope they can do it again. Well, let's turn away from uh, football then and talk about uh, the summer game, shall we? Talk about cricket. Um, we're not looking ahead to a test match this week because uh, there's, there's a gap before the next one uh, over in India where uh, England are touring. But they have now sadly lost the series um, by three matches to one as a result of defeat in the fourth test. Uh, and when you look at that test match, things went well for the first two days and really turned round on day three. Uh, and despite a, a, a noble effort on the last day, they couldn't recover what had happened on day three. So I think, Bill, to me, this one was another case of a great opportunity let go begging by failure to clean out India's tail in the first innings and then a, a, another rather horrendous batting collapse uh, in England's second innings. I think that's probably right. Um, uh, I, I'm not one to get up at four o'clock and listen to it on the radio or watch it on the television, but uh, I do reach my iPad at quarter to seven when my uh, early morning alarm goes on the days that it does go. Uh, and I reached my iPad with hope. Um, and it, it was a great disappointment to see that uh, India had managed to... Uh, get up to uh, 307 all out when um, they were down at 177 for for seven. And it was quite a recovery, was that. It looked like uh, England were going to go into that uh, second innings with a, um, a big-ish three-figure lead, certainly a three-figure lead. And I think in the end it was about 46, 47, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the second innings, as predicted in the... Um, uh, the, the radio commentary that I was uh, listening to, um, they did fold a little bit. Um, and uh, I watched the tail end of it as uh, folks tried to manage the tail, and it was very, very difficult to even score a single, um, which gave some hope because it was nudging. You got the feeling if Indra had been chasing 250, it might just have been a, oh. a bit of a challenge. But uh, um, uh, the, the, the winning margin for India was five wickets, and I think that flattered India. A little bit. Um, there were five down, 72 runs for that six wicket partnership. And I think if England could have just nicked a wicket or two there, it could have been, um, squeaky bum time really. Um, but I think they were probably 50 short on the, uh, on the target. Yeah, it was, uh, maybe the drop catch when Robinson, uh, dropped, dropped to Jarrell, didn't he, on the, on the last, on the uh, third. So second, second morning, third morning, second morning, third morning. I don't know. Can't remember what it was now. But uh, that, that was probably the uh, the, the, the key uh, because that probably did cost them about those, those 50 runs. But, uh, yeah, whatever you say, actually, um, uh, general comments on the match, Ian, obviously. But but India do seem to have found one in this in this new wicket keeper. And you wonder if Rishabh Pant will get back in the side because he looks as very good keeper and a more than useful batter. Absolutely. Um, and. Yeah, I thought, I actually thought that in the whole, it was a really good test match. Um, I, to answer your question, yeah, they've got, um, they always seem to find them, don't they? They always seem to find these, these batsmen who just, who just know how to play and, and just the fact he's a wicket keeper as well is, um, you know, it's fantastic. And, uh, he played amazingly well in this test match, but yeah, um, it was really good. Um, apart from the result, obviously. Um, and the collapse 
um, in England's second innings, which I think that was what I, you could say, like, yes, we didn't get India's um, tail out um, as we should, but the, um, the batting in the second innings just, it just wasn't good. And um, to then give them a total less than 200 to chase, it was always going to be a big ask. I do like this um, lad, um, Bashir, um, the yep. uh, spin bowler. Mm-hmm. Um, he looks. Um, he looked amazing. He looked really, really good. He, he knew definitely how to spin the ball, um, along with Hartley, who I think has had a really good series as well. So maybe England have found a couple of people there that probably wouldn't have been noticed um, had we not been in India, because obviously it's it's a spinner's paradise over there. Um, but um, I think there's, there is actually a lot of hope for England with some of the performances um, from some of the players. Um, I've... Um, I just want to bring everyone's attention to the fact that last week I said if um, if Joe Root plays his natural game, he will score mm-hmm. runs. And um, lo and behold, that's exactly what he did. So uh, mm-hmm. in vain, like Ben Duckett's was the test match before. But, you know, it shows that the players are there, the talent's there. It's just, um, yeah, that batting in the second innings really was what cost England the game. Yeah, it's just a question of adapting yourself, isn't it, really, to the situation yeah. and, and, and just engaging the brain before you play some of these shots, which maybe they haven't done. And, uh, your thoughts, Jim, uh, on, on the general state of things and also uh, just the point that Ian made there about the uh, two spinners um, who look most promising. Uh, my worry about them is that Bashir won't get to play at Somerset because Jack Leach is the number one and uh, Hartley won't get to bowl much at Lancashire because they've signed Nathan Lyon for next season. Yes, um, there good comments, Tony. I'll, I'll come back to those if I may. I mean, in terms of the overall game, um, I think in India were overall the better team because they had ultimately the more experienced, uh, spin bowlers. Um, you've got to remember, of course, that India were without, uh, Bummer in this game. Uh, they were without Shami, uh, they were without Kohli and they were without KL Rahul. So um uh they uh, that, that they were they were they were there to give you a chance if you like because with those four missing uh England did have a chance um they seemed to contrive to have one bad day in every match and that's what ultimately did for them um and I would have to say that I thought the decision to open the bowling with Root and Hartley on the end of that day, when they only needed 190 yard, was bizarre in the extreme. Um, Hartley had taken the new ball in, in the first match, if I remember rightly, and got carted all over the pitch. Um, and I think those 40 runs that they got them for no wicket actually set the game up for India. Um, and I can't see the point in playing Anderson um, if you're not going to give him the new ball on a game like that, because... If the if the pitch is is turning a lot because he's got a lot of cracks in it, then Anderson is just as capable of hitting a crack as anybody else, and he's likely to hit a crack round about the right place to hit a crack. Whereas with Hartley in particular, um, he didn't always get the line <coughs> the line right in my view. Um, and although he had a very promising start, I didn't think that he actually in that last innings. Um, applied the pressure that was needed. I mean, admittedly, you're comparing them with 
Ashwin and Jadeja, and that's difficult. Um, Bashir seems a natural, um, and I'm sure he will he will be transferred somewhere uh, or will get a game somewhere, or else some set will produce different sorts of pitches. Um, uh, and had Leach been there, well, that might have made it more interesting. Um, but it's all ifs and whys and may for. But I did think that in with hindsight, and hindsight is always wonderful. We know about that. But with hindsight, the um, the game for me was lost when it was fourth yard for nothing at the end of uh, day three. Um, and had that score been something like 40 for two or even 40 for one, uh, I think it might just have been a slightly different game. Um, and I, and it was, it was the fact that they got those runs, I think in, was it, was it eight overs? Was there only eight or nine overs bowled on that day? Well, yeah, they, were going, they were going at quite a few. Harker went for a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And, and with, with a new ball, it's all very well saying the pitch was turning and all that and Ashwin and Jadeja bowled with it. Well, yes. Okay. But nevertheless, um, uh, with a new ball, we, well, it has got, I mean, Stuart's not here. He will tell you, but when it's got that, got that lacquer on it as a spinner it's not no you're not used to bowling with that um and i just think they missed a trick with anderson um and as for robinson well what a disappointment he was i mean he just didn't didn't come to the party i mean don't know quite what he was apart from his runs in the first innings which are absolutely invaluable mm. um uh, i don't know what he was what he was doing so it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back um, I know that you'll talk about that next week, but um, um, there's still a game to be won. As somebody pointed out, this Test match championship, every game counts. So um, what you don't want to do here is, is you know, give give people who well, Lawrence hasn't had a bat. We'll give Lawrence a game, and we'll give so and so a game. We're you know we're not into that. I don't think. Um, Rian Ahmed's come home, of course, and isn't coming back. Um, so that pretty well dictates. Um, that uh, Bashir and Hartley will will play again. Uh, I would have thought. Um, uh, I would imagine Wood will come back for Robinson, but I, I think Anderson will probably play again. I think he probably deserves to play again, to be honest. But he should have just bowled more in that second innings at the start for me. Yeah, well, we will certainly look ahead to that Test match uh, next week, and uh, be interesting to see if Gus Atkinson maybe uh, gets in in the side. Depends how they see the balance of the attack, I suppose. Right, we'll turn now to the uh, two codes of rugby. We'll start off just uh, reviewing where we are in the Six Nations Championship after last weekend's matches, which saw uh, Ireland, as expected, beat uh, beat beat Wales, and then South Africa beat sorry Scotland beat England uh, in the Calcutta Cup game. Um, <laughs> Um, uh, and then uh, extraordinary match on Sunday, which, but for a ball falling off the tee when a kick was going to be taken in the last minute, could have ended up with Italy winning in France. And I don't think anybody could say that they didn't deserve it. France had a man sent off, which clearly made a difference. Uh, Ian, I don't know uh, whether you saw one or all the games. Um, at the moment, uh, I think we were predicting at the beginning of the season that Ireland or France would win it, depending on who won that match that Scotland would be third, England fourth, Wales fifth, and Italy sixth. If Italy had won on Sunday, that might not be right, but I suspect that's maybe looking like the order at the moment. Um, I think so, but then I think Scotland, they've performed really, really well in all three games, and they um, they could still have a, a chance um, with 
finishing second. Um, I'm not sure if in rugby in the Six Nations it goes on who won the game between them if they're level on level on points or if it's points difference. It's point, yeah, it's bonus points obviously come into it, and then it's points difference. Okay, so um, so Scotland still have a chance of finishing um, second, um, but Ireland are gonna are gonna walk away with it and probably win uh, the Grand Slam. I can't see anyone beating them um, at the moment. They just seem so good as a team. Um, I mean, they 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 played probably under themselves against Wales, but still mm. did more than enough to win by uh, by the margin that they did. And um, yeah, I think um, we're seeing one of Ireland's uh, better and best teams in um, in their history. I think that they are looking very, very good. And this is without like like Sexton and with uh, Driscoll and and Best and and all them others. But this team looks absolutely fantastic. Um, I thought Scotland played really well. I thought England started the game superbly well, but then just seemed to make more just basic errors and it allowed Scotland back in it. And, um, and that winger dude who has the very Scottish sounding name, um, <laughs> um, scored his hat trick. And, uh, and yeah, then for the fourth time on the trot, for the first time in over a hundred years, Scotland won the Calcutta cup. So, um, um, but I think overall they deserved it, didn't they? Um, and yeah, France, France aren't looking great, are they? They're not. Yeah. And um, they were lucky to beat Scotland, very lucky to beat Scotland. And um, Ireland absolutely trounced them. So, and Italy should have beaten them, shouldn't they? If it wasn't for that ball falling off that tee, then I think Italy would have um, won that game. And again, they deserved that. So I think France are probably in that, um, what do you say, that um, turnover, that them trying Transition. to change. Yeah, that one. Yeah, and um, but Italy have played well in this tournament without getting the results, I think. Um, but um, they'll take confidence, obviously, from the uh, from the game on um, Sunday against France in Paris. Yeah. No, yeah, it, wasn't, it was in, in Lille, I think, wasn't it? In the, Lille, the yeah. Yeah, the play. But uh, yeah, I, I think France is still hanging, uh, got, got a hangover from the World Cup. I just don't think they can. I mean, Dupont obviously is missing, and he's a big player, but I don't think you can put it all down to that. Um, they're just they're just not firing. They could easily, with a with, with a look sort of going against them slightly, they could have been bottom. They could have lost all three. Yes. Uh, which, which is extraordinary. Nobody would have predicted that. Um, but uh, their, their last two games, they play England at home in the last game, which given the form of the two sides this season, is likely to be a, a bit of a grim match, I suspect. Uh, and they have to go to Cardiff for the next game. And Wales, of course, um, uh, have lost all their games so far. So uh, that you wouldn't really... Um, Expect Wales to win that, but I don't know. Having seen France, they might fancy the chances. Uh, my take on 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 this, this Calcutta Cup game, actually, I, and I I didn't think it was a great game. I thought England started well, then started making mistakes. I didn't think Scotland were that good, to be honest. I think they took advantage of some English mistakes, and obviously Van der Merwe, um, if you give him time and space, he's going to punish you, and 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 and, and he did punish England. Uh, Scotland deserved to win. There's no question about that. Um, but uh, Ireland looked 
to me, um, far and away the best side. They come to Twickenham week on Saturday. Uh, I'd expect them to win that. And their final matches at home to Scotland. And it's difficult to see Scotland winning in Dublin. Uh, Jim, what's your take? Um, my take was that England were infinitely better when George Martin came on. Um, and also when Faye Wabosa came, came on as well. Um, mm. He just exposed the fact that Daly doesn't have pace. And he mm. does. There's yeah. no way that Daly would have scored the try that Faye Waboso scored. Never in, in a million, million years. Um, for me, England still have a problem with the back row. Um, and I'm not convinced yet about the centres either. Uh, I'm not sure good a player those Slade is in Premiership rugby, how he fits in to the team, quite what he, what he's there to do other than to kick the ball. And to be honest, he's not there to kick the ball. I mean, you shouldn't be picking him for that. Um, so, um, I think there, there are signs for England. Uh, Furbank did okay. Um, still feel sorry for Stewart. Um, and, um, uh, I think the test will, well, I think they will be better against Ireland, to be honest. Um, I, I assume you're going, Tony. Um, yeah, um, because I think I think Martin will start against Ireland. Um, Mitchell will be back. I think whether they whether they go with Marcus Smith, I don't know. I, I'm I'm still not convinced about Marcus Smith. I, I don't know where England can find a fly half from. I mean, if you sport Leicester Tigers, you're fortunate. You see Pollard every week, and you realise what the difference is between Pollard and anything that England have got. Anywhere near the, the 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 team, and I, I personally I think Ford is still the best of the options. Um, if Farrell's not there, I think Ford is the best of the options. Um, but um, it's um, it, it's it, they're just not getting enough drive for me off the off the back row, and um, uh, the, that, that's where they need to to strengthen up. And Ben Earl. No, it's, it's competent. I'm not saying saying that Ben Earl's a bad player. Ben Earl is competent, but he is not the the demanding, domineering number eight that that you need to to be a force in uh, uh, in, in uh, world rugby. To me, well, we'll be looking ahead, of course, to the uh, next round of Six Nations matches next week. Super League now, uh, and we've got about seven or eight minutes left. So, uh, Ian, I'll come to you for a, a quick review of Super League. Uh, Leeds Rhinos winning start, losing second game, tough game against Catalans on Saturday. Yes, uh, Catalans, who uh, reached the grand final last year um, and lost to Wigan. Um, yeah, that's going to be a very tough game, but it's at home um, and they've already beaten Salford at home. Played very well that night. Um, unfortunately, lost last week to Hull KR away. But Hull KR are definitely going to be there or thereabouts this year. They're a very good side this year, Hull KR. They thrashed their neighbours Hull in the um, in the opening weekend. And um, they played very well against the Rhinos. Um, but Rhinos were in with a shout. Ash Handley scored pretty much a carbon copy of his try that he scored against Salford. Uh, the week before, uh, full lengths of the uh, pitch type thing, um, and a great try it was too. But the pitch was absolutely awful at uh, Craven Park. I'm not sure what was wrong with it, but all the players were slipping over and 
and just not being able to get a grip in there. But um, uh, same for both sides, obviously. So it's no excuse. Um, but um, yeah, I think I think the signs are there that the Rhinos are going to be a lot better this season than they were uh, last year. Um, but that's not really saying that much, considering how bad they were last year. Um, so, and uh, Catalans beat London uh, last week, 34-0. Um, so it is going to be an extremely tough game uh, this coming uh, Saturday afternoon. Um, but with that home crowd, the Saturday afternoon home crowd as well, that's something different. Um, so hopefully that will help the Rhinos um, come up with a very good performance. Um as for Super League, uh, Wigan um, controversially won the World Club Challenge. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> if you've seen it, you'll know. Um, and um, it's funny how that um, that try line suddenly appeared two metres further forward than it was. Um, but, um, yeah, Wigan did the Super League pride. Um, they win in the World Club Challenge. Um, and um, it's all set for a really decent season. Apparently, opening weekend attendances were so far above what the um, what the league expected. It's, it, it just seemed that Super League is on a on a bit of a high at the moment, and uh, long may that continue. Um, so there you go, uh, Tony. Uh, five minutes. Thank you very much. <laughs> right. So we come to the moments of the week. I'll ask you all to be uh, reasonably quick with these, if you could. We'll start with you, Bill. Um. Archie Gray's performance against Chelsea, absolutely wonderful for a 17-year-old. Um, uh, we all know how good he is. I suspect he put a good uh, £10 million in his value in about 90 minutes there. Thank you very much. That's uh, very but nice. Not, but, it, but it's not for sale. <laughs> yes, <laughs> definitely put that one up. Yeah, I would say last night, will they be able to keep him? We'll hope so. Jim? Um, uh, well, we'll, we'll a brief mention to uh, Fatou's goal for Leicester against Bournemouth on Tuesday, which is absolute cracker. Watch that if you've not seen it. But my sporting moment of the week comes from basketball. Um, and this was the annual match between the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference in America. And the Eastern Conference beat the Western Conference by a score of, wait for it, 211 to 186. Now, a basketball game lasts 48 minutes, so that's 397 points in 48 minutes, and I worked that out at 8.2 points, 8.2 points a minute. And I'm, I'm not even sure I could get from one end of the court to the other dribbling the ball in eight, in, uh, in a minute, let alone score 8.2 points. So there you go. <laughs> Extraordinary. Uh, Ian. Um, speaking of high scoring, um, I'm going with uh, the midweek game at Celtic Park. Celtic 7, Dundee 1. Celtic was 6-0 up at half time. It was absolutely fantastic to see. And um, I uh, really enjoyed that. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm, mine's a bit of a cheat, actually, because I spotted something on the uh, BBC website yesterday. So it's not really a moment of this week, but it, it, it's relevant to, to, to yesterday. Uh, it was uh, highlights of what they called the dirtiest match of all time, which was the replay <laughs> between Chelsea and Leeds United in 1970. And they showed some highlights of it. And it was extraordinary. And I read that apparently that match was re-refereed by David Ellery in 1997. 
and then uh, I think by Michael Oliver in 2019. And Ellery said if he'd been refereeing it, he would have given out seven red cards. And Oliver said if he uh, had been refereeing it, he would have given out 11 red cards. Uh, as it was, the referee on the night, whose name just escapes me now, gave one yellow card through the whole match. Uh, I thought to myself, how times have changed, because there were certainly a lot of the tackles that went in then that would have, uh, well, you certainly wouldn't see them these days, put it that way. Something about that game as well, Tony, it's still the biggest ever audience for a live football match in this country. Um, over Indeed. 32 million watched it that night in uh, on the BBC in uh, 1970. I wasn't, because I wasn't even a glint in my dad's eye at that point, but um, <laughs> I'm wondering whether you three may have uh, may have seen it. I saw it, yeah. I <laughs> saw it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, guys, well, thank you very much for that. That pretty much wraps things up for this week. My thanks go to Jim and Ian and Bill for their contributions, and of course to you for listening. If you're in hospital, I hope you'll be up and about again very soon. Uh, and uh, if you're hearing us on the internet, well, do please join us again soon. Uh, and for our hospital listeners, don't forget that there'll be plenty of live action for you to listen to in the next few days, including some of those matches we've been talking about. It starts with that black bus blockbuster local derby between Huddersfield Town and Leeds United at the John Smith Stadium on Saturday. It kicks off at 12.30. We'll have our commentators on air from about, about 12.15. Shortly after that, there's rugby league action from Headingley with reports on the match between Leeds Rhinos and Catalan Dragons. That has a three o'clock kickoff. And then on Tuesday evening, Leeds United entertains Stoke City. That kicks off at 7.45. And uh, hopefully all of that action will make your stay in hospital that bit more pleasant. Of course, we'll be back next week. Same time, same place. But for now, from me, Tony Chalk and the team, get well soon, take care and enjoy your sport. Goodbye.